Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I'm Mike Spofford. He's Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, Christmas Day, a 3.30 p.m. Central Time kickoff at Lambeau Field. It will be the Packers against the Browns here in Week 16, if I have that correct. Um, this Cleveland Browns team, I tell you, an interesting bunch. 7-7 seven and seven this year. Right in the thick of things, uh, they went from having a chance to be in first place in the AFC North had they hung on and and been able to beat the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night. But by losing that game on a walk-off field goal, they drop all the way to last place in the AFC North because things are bunched up so tightly in that division. The intriguing thing about this Browns team, though, is and I I admit I haven't watched a whole lot of their games, but you look at their results – you look at the way their season has gone, a lot of injuries, guys on the COVID list, all this kind of stuff. It just feels like you don't really know what you're going to get with the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. You might get the team that absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card round last January, or you might get the team that a handful of weeks ago lost 45-7 to to the New England Patriots and was never really in the game. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's how you end up seven and seven and and fighting for your playoff life here uh, the last three weeks of the regular season well and in that division too mike doesn't it kind of feel like it's going to end up coming down to some kind of tiebreaker that ultimately decides a 10 or maybe even a nine win team from winning that division just how this thing has sort of gone in in the afc north and who knows with with the steelers having that one tie on their record like that's going to factor into all the positioning and whatnot as well yeah and and obviously the steelers aren't out of this suddenly so i I think that's been my main takeaway this season uh from the north is it's just it's been this weird sort of thing where each of these teams looks really good at times and then also can look really bad And, and from cleveland's perspective it's kind of, you know, Kevin Stefanski's done a nice job with them there. Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, they have the right core, it would appear, uh, and in the direction in which they're moving. But unfortunately for the Browns, for the last basically 15 years, it's been very much the same story. They've had some glimpses of hope, and then as soon as it looks like they've turned a quarter and are going to become a contender again, they take a step back. Now, now certainly this year the questions with Baker Mayfield, the fourth quarter's, you know, the, the comebacks and, and the failed comebacks. Uh, now the COVID list that extends to, what, 15 players, it would appear. There's been a lot for the Browns to overcome. But as I was telling our readers and in Insider Inbox this week, offensively and defensively, they have guys you have to be aware of. I mean, Nick Chubb is in the conversation for the top five, top three running backs in the National Football League right now. Yeah. And they still have a lot of weapons in this offense, despite the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. left. So... It's going to be a battle, and I think that's the number one thing that Matt LaFleur is probably going to be talking to these guys about is this is a Browns team that is basically going to be playing for its season because there is not a lot of wiggle room. If you don't win that division, it's going to be a log jam is trying to get those wildcard spots, and every win is going to matter. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are three names with this Browns team that jump off the page at me. You mentioned one of them already in Nick Chubb. Um, this guy is a dynamic running back. And this is a Browns team with Kevin Stefanski at the helm. They are determined to run the football. They like to run the football. I think that's going to be one of the, uh, the, the key elements to this game is how well the Browns potentially can establish the ground game in, in uh, carving their way toward a potential upset of the Packers here. The other two names, Baker Mayfield, obviously, at quarterback. Everybody wondering, you know, will he be coming off the COVID list and be eligible to play on Saturday? 
my understanding is the Browns are expecting him, expecting to be able to activate him from the COVID list before Saturday's kickoff and that he would play. Um, now that would be putting him out there to play essentially without having practiced for yeah. uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, and the Browns had to go to their third string quarterback in the Monday night game, the rescheduled Monday night game against the Raiders this past week with, uh, with both Mayfield and Case Keenum on the COVID list, and so they had to turn to Nick Mullins. And then the other name that y- you have to talk about with these guys is Miles Garrett, the pass rusher. He's got 15 sacks this season. Now he injured a groin in the game against the Raiders on Monday night, is not practicing to this point this week. His status is very much up in the air. Um, if Miles Garrett can't play, that definitely changes the look of this Cleveland Browns defense. But if he is out there, this guy is a big-time pass rusher. Well, and a big reason for that is, you know, you know, Tack, Tack McKinley had his injury now, so I think he's basically out, you know, moving forward. Yeah, for he them. blew the Achilles. Blew the Achilles, yeah. yeah. So then, you know, Jadavion Clowney is their next leading sack guy. I think he has five on the season or maybe six. I mean, this thing really runs through Garrett, and it's been that way for a number of years now. When you come in with a guy that's as heralded as he was, he's lived up to that hype. Uh, as, a, as a top pick and, and being able to contain him. When I looked at this matchup on paper before we knew anything on Monday, I was like, that's going to be the primary objective here for Yash Nijman or however it works out with who's going to be defending him. Well, then lo and behold, now he's, he's banged up. That's what the season is though, right? Yeah. And we've seen it at every corner, whether it be the COVID list or whether it be just with people's injury reports it's going to be a battle. So certainly I'm sure from the Packers' perspective, if Miles Garrett decides not to partake in this football game, they are not going to be really too upset about that. But, but certainly as Matt LaFleur has kind of talked about and some of these other defensive and offensive players have, have assessed, you've got to just sort of look at what they have. And, you know, Nick, I should say Eric Stokes was the one that touched on this on Wednesday, is that you watch the film of what these teams look like when they have all their pieces. And then you kind of draw in and fill in the rest from there. And the thing is, is that when Cleveland was 100%, when they had what they felt to be their full complement of players, this was a legitimate contender in the AFC. So I think that's the version of the Browns you have to be prepared for because, again, them coming in on Christmas, them understanding that time is a ticking, this is going to be a basically kind of almost a playing game for them in relation to the in relation to the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. They're playing. They're playing for their season, and and I think with everything that's gone on with this team, with the injuries and the COVID and stuff like that, particularly if you get your quarterback back, if Baker Mayfield comes back, even if he hasn't practiced, but if he's activated and he's able to play, you know that's the kind of thing that that provides some juice to a team, right? That energizes yeah. a team that's been going through all of this, all of this turmoil as far as who's going to be available and, and who's not. So I think the Packers have to be ready, even though the Browns are on an even shorter week than the Packers are with playing with a Saturday game with the Browns just having played on Monday night. I think you have and, to be prepared for a very energized Cleveland team with everything they have on the line. And I want to see Baker, because obviously, we, like you said, Mike, we don't get a chance to watch a lot of the Browns. Uh, basically because of our jobs and the fact that they haven't played him since that overtime game in Cleveland in 2017. This young man, you know, he's kind of been maligned at times, but I still think there's a lot of potential there and there's a lot of talent. So I just, from my own two eyes, just kind of understanding what he looks like, I, I am in a way sort of rooting for him to play in this game, but certainly, you know, that's the way this thing has gone with COVID. We didn't expect that Kenny Clark was not going to be available last week. When you and I were going about our week this week, I wrote about MVS after the game. We all thought, okay, well, here we go. 
there's the key to this whole thing with that defenses are doing against Devontae Adams, and then Marcus Valdez-Scantling ends up on the COVID list. It's the nature of the season, and, you know, hopefully for the Packers, they've been on the decent side of it when you look at the, the rest of the NFL so far. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not the Packers can get back either MVS and or Kenny Clark off the COVID list to play in this game on Saturday. Um, the possibility is there, but there's also not necessarily any guarantee that that's going to happen, and, and, and if they if either one is able to come off the list, what kind of impact um, – they would be able to have so it very much kind of a it just feels like a wait and see thing um you know waiting up until kickoff on saturday if the packers are going to have these guys matt lafleur always plays these things pretty close to the vest but kind of like mike mccarthy back in the day with the hard pressed you know somebody <laughs> so and so would be hard pressed to play in this game lafleur sort of has his little idiosyncrasies too in terms of how he relates you know talks about players it does sound like there is a really legitimate optimism there that Clark could be available yeah certainly yeah. you got to go through the process this week MVS is the one that because and the reason I think that too is because on a normal timeline this would have been within the boundaries for Clark to play MVS now becomes sort of the guinea pig here because you start to wonder okay with these new COVID rules what does that mean in terms of when he becomes asymptomatic or when he's available to be you know back out there that's the stuff over these next couple of weeks, Mike, we're just going to have to kind of figure out because yeah. until that happens where a guy tests positive but then plays in the next game, uh, you're, you're kind of just sitting here wondering, you know, when that, that other foot is going to drop. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little bit of shout-out to our sponsors here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, a couple of items of Packers news to get to before we focus on our keys to victory. Pro Bowl announcements came out. The Packers with three Pro Bowlers in the initial selection process. Aaron Rodgers sets a franchise record with his 10th Pro Bowl selection. He now surpasses Forrest Gregg and Brett Favre, who had nine apiece. Devontae Adams gets his fifth consecutive Pro Bowl selection which, as I believe you wrote about, is now one shy of James Lofton's streak of six consecutive yep. for a Packers wide receiver. And then Kenny Clark gets his second Pro Bowl, not his first one as an original selection. Um, certainly well-deserved uh, for all three of those guys, but I'm particularly happy for Kenny Clark because he's, just, he's a guy who plays that position. The stats aren't necessarily there. But his work, his impact on games on a regular basis when he's in there is being recognized. You have to be able to understand, and I've said this so many times this year, Mike, to watch Kenny Clark is to know what kind of impact he's making on a football field. You can't just look at a box score and understand how talented this guy is and, and how much he's affecting the opposing team and the opposing quarterback. The other reason I really thought the Kenny – honor was fantastic was from the standpoint of first time since Henry Jordan Mike going back to 1966 when he won when he got to his last Pro Bowl I believe the last of his five that's the last time the Green Bay Packers have actually had a defensive tackle that's been able to go to multiple Pro Bowls it's a difficult position to get accolades think about all the tremendous defensive tackles the Packers have had over the years the Gilbert Browns the Mike Daniels you know the you know the Brian Pickett's, the B.J. Rajis, it's not easy to do. 
So for Kenny to get that recognition, I think is well-deserved. I think the one that jumps off the page to me, though, is the Devontae Adams one, because now you start to stack these up. You would imagine here in a few weeks he'll be all pro again. He's starting to put together that resume that could potentially give you that door into Canton. Oh, yeah. And that's been the thing that I thought was illuminating because for the first time, you know, Aaron Rodgers, people give him credit. You know, people talk about Devontae and and how he is one of the best now, if not the best receiver in the game. But when he was speaking to the media, and I can't even remember if it was to your question or who asked it, but when he was talking about that the thing he thinks about the most now is the gold jacket. To my recollection, that was the first time Devontae has uttered those words out of his mouth. Yeah. And for him to start being able to channel that a little bit, that shows you the confidence of the young man, but also the self-reflection and understanding what he's accomplished in his first eight NFL seasons. He's right there now. And I think when you think of guys that could potentially keep stringing this together at age 29, 30, 31, I don't see why Devontae Adams, I don't see any signs of him slowing down here, especially with that synergy that he has with Rodgers. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look that way by any stretch. Um, the Packers also did have some alternates um, to the Pro Bowl roster. Aaron Jones was named a first alternate at running back. And then um, there are other alternates you know, down, down the way that aren't specified exactly what round yep. they are. But uh, cornerback Rasul Douglas yep. and punter Corey Bajorquez. And was there another and alternate? Rashawn Gary. Also Rashawn was Gary, was that's right. Alternate. I knew I was forgetting one. Yep. Rashawn Gary as well at edge rusher. So uh, four alternates total. The, the one here that, of course, jumps out at you is Rasul Douglas. Yeah. because And a lot of, a lot of folks are asking, uh, asking me in the inbox, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to be able to necessarily nail this down one way or another. But a guy who starts a season on a practice squad and ends up as a Pro Bowl alternate, I don't think – I've never heard Maybe of Maybe a I've kicker, never, but yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of that happening before, but uh, – Hats off to Rasul Douglas. Obviously, we talked about him a lot on this show already, but uh, but that type of that type of path, that type of journey within one NFL season to be on a practice squad and then end up as an alternate to uh, to the NFC Pro Bowl roster, um, heck of an achievement. Rasul Douglas was signed 79 days ago at the time in which we are taping this episode of <laughs> Packers Unscripted. What he has accomplished in just over two months' time not to learn a defense, not to get, you know, kind of brought into a locker room, but to make the plays that he's made for a team that has legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. You'll see this a lot in the past, Mike. We did the stories ourselves back in 2018 when the Packers were out of playoff contention, things weren't really going the right way. You'll see guys that kind of pop up on a roster and make an impact late in the season. They make for good stories. This guy is a game changer. Yeah. This guy, at some intervals, could be considered the best player on this defense at times with what he's been bringing in the points in which he has been generating with some of these turnovers. I've never seen anything like it. And we'll, we'll get down the road here. The Packers are going to try to win a Super Bowl, and this will be something way down the line we'll reflect upon. But the job that Brian Gutekunst has done, his scouting department have done over the last 12 months, given the salary cap sort of limitations that they're under, has been nothing short of extraordinary. And for Matt LaFleur to take that talent along with his coaching staff and make their scheme adjustable enough to welcome in guys midseason to have them be able to play at their full at their best. It it this is how a team with three Pro Bowlers gets to be eleven and three. That's how you do it. And it's been incredible to watch. Yeah, absolutely. 
I want to make one more announcement here with Christmas right around the corner. Anyone looking for a holiday gift idea, folks, team historian Cliff Crystal's book, The Greatest Story in Sports, is now available at the Packers Pro Shop. It's a four-volume hardcover book set that tells the true, complete story of the Packers' first century from humble beginnings to heartbreaks and triumphs. Buy your copy online or in-store today. And I got an update for you, Mike. I was just down in the pro shop. I picked up my NFC North Champions hat and T-shirt. I got to go do that, man. You do? Yeah. I can't do that for you. There's no, a you checklist. Can't. I have to go. I have to go do that. Today. But they got a new batch of these books back in there. It was getting pretty bare there for a second. There these things go. were flying off the shelves. Hot cakes, I'm telling you, Mike. <laughs> uh, the fact that they got some more down there, Cliff Crystal was nice enough, generous enough, gracious enough to sign my book as well. So, yeah, if you haven't had a chance yet, we're running short on time here. If you celebrate Christmas, you got to pick up the book. Yeah, just a couple of days away now. All right, Wes, Saturday, Lambeau Field, Packers, Browns, Keys to victory here for Green Bay. We all know what's on the line for the Packers. You're looking at, as of now, if you win out, you're the number one seed. You get a bye. You get home field and all that. We talked about everything that's on the line for the Browns. There's certainly plenty on the line for the Packers. What do the Packers have to do? What is the top priority to finish things on Saturday night at 12-3? and 3? I think there's two things that need to happen, and I'm probably going to end up stealing one of yours, but I want to address this. If they can get Kenny Clark back, I feel like this Packers run defense is a championship quality caliber unit. Times have changed. You're not seeing the thousand pound line anymore of Pickett, Raji, Howard Green. You got guys that are a little bit more versatile, a little smaller, but yet still really stout. And when Kenny Clark is in the ballgame, Mike, how many times this year? I wish there was a stat. I'm sure PFF has it. Whatever. But, I mean, how many times have we seen it where he gets in the backfield and it redirects a runner off of what his assignment is? That's big-time football. So if Kenny Clark is back, I think stopping the run is paramount. But as I've continued to say, I think getting off to a fast start. I think if you can break the will of the Browns right off the bat, if this offense can get into a rhythm from Series 1, like you saw what happened in the second half of that game offensively. You get, it's a momentum-driven game. You get a yeah. feeling of, okay, is this going the direction you want it to go or is it not really going the direction you go? Do you feel like the Packers can move the ball downfield or does it feel like it's going to be difficult getting a yard? I had no qualms, no doubts, no confusion whatsoever about what the Packers were able to do in the second half of that game against the Ravens. So, yeah, I, th- I think this is a game in which you start fast, you put your foot down on the pedal, you come out with that 12th victory. Yeah. My initial thought at the beginning of the week when I was asked in Insider Inbox, what are the keys to winning this game for the Packers? And this is what I wrote. I said, block Miles Garrett and tackle Nick Chubb. Those are the, To me, that's what this game comes down to, those two things. Now, we don't know if Miles Garrett is going to play or not, so we talked about that before. But Nick Chubb is going to play. And this is a, this is a run-oriented Browns offense. And... It's not an opponent, you know, that you see. Like, like we said, 2017 was the last time the Packers faced these guys, right? And, and we saw last week facing a somewhat unconventional Baltimore Ravens offense. It gave the Packers some problems at, you know, early, both early in the game and then also late in the game. So to me, to me if, you can, if you can prevent Nick Chubb from being the guy that's sort of controlling the tempo and controlling the down and distance and whatnot – 
then I, I, I like the Packers. I like the Packers' chances to win this game because if the Browns don't get Nick Chubb going, I just don't see them being able to score enough points to keep up with Aaron Rodgers yeah. and where this Packers offense is. The the fact that this Packers offense has scored thirty plus points, not including Rasul Douglas's pick sixes, has scored thirty plus points in the last two games. And yeah, it would be great to get Kenny Clark back. But I also think the guy that the guy that's taken this Packers run defense to a different level from what we've seen in past years is Devondre Campbell in the middle of things. And I know a lot of fans are wondering, how does Devondre Campbell not make the Pro Bowl and all this? And look, Devondre Campbell has had a Pro Bowl caliber season. There's no denying that. But in the NFC, there are only two inside linebackers selected on the Pro Bowl team, and they're Micah Parsons and Bobby Wagner. You can't have any qualms about those two selections, quite frankly, and that's nothing against Campbell the only... in the season that he's had. But if Devondre yeah. Campbell's going to make the Pro Bowl team, then either Micah Parsons or Bobby Wagner is not going to make it. And that, to me, that's just not realistic. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and I say that not taking anything away from the player Campbell is and the impact that he's had for the Packers, particularly with the run defense. The only thing I was going to say is with Micah Parsons, maybe you can make an argument it could be an outside linebacker. True, very, <laughs> very, very true there. He, get, there. he ends up getting slotted in the roster as, a, as an inside linebacker. And you're right about that. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's not exactly where he fits, and it could have opened up a spot for somebody But that's else. what makes Micah Parsons Micah Parsons. Yes. I have lived long enough, know, though, that I've watched Julius Peppers play inside linebacker in a Pro Bowl game. So, I mean... <laughs> These are the things that happen with a very inexact science and imperfect well, system. Well, and we've seen Clay Matthews play inside linebacker for half a season <laughs> plus playoffs. So, you know, there's, uh, there's that as well. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on, though, AP voting is going to happen here in a few weeks. I, I'm telling you, man, even if, you know, Devondre Campbell doesn't make his way on the Pro Bowl, there are four spots for AP first and second team at inside linebacker. I'd be very interested to see if yeah. maybe some people out there, some educated writers, are able to take notice of it's them. a it's it's a tough group to crack we were talking about some of the names the other day inside linebacker in the nfc it's a tough group to crack but as you said the four spots first team second team on the all pro it will be it'll be interesting to see quick shout out to Corey lindsley too he's a first team all pro center and now he can finally call himself a pro bowler he there took we go the, took the david bakhtiari path yeah, towards got uh, got all pro first and then and then pro bowl came later couple quick thoughts i want to get from you wes with regard to other games, the most important one on the slate as it relates to the Packers this week will be Sunday night football, the Washington football team at Dallas. The Cowboys, of course, looking to win the NFC East and stay in the hunt for the number one seed. They are the team that is the biggest threat to the number one seed um, that the Packers are trying to get right now, because even though they are one game behind the Packers at 10 and four with green Bay at 11 and three, they have the best NFC record, the best conference record, yeah. and they could steal that number one seed if they went out and the Packers were to lose a game. Conversely, if Dallas were to lose another game, suddenly the Packers have the leeway to the extent that they don't necessarily have to win out in order to get the number right. one seed. So that's an interesting one to keep an eye on here. And Washington, much like a lot of these teams in the NFC fighting for wildcard spots, that squad has a heck of a lot on the line Sunday night. Yeah, Mike, and that's part of it that I think is the most interesting here as this thing comes down the stretch. I was trying to get up the, st the standings for everything, but our internet, our IT staff might have actually popped out for Christmas a little bit early. But uh, that being said, uh, 
Listen, you know, you're, when you looked at your path to the playoffs, and, and I had a chance to thumb through it already, Dallas is such an interesting anomaly in this whole deal because of how their season lined up. The Packers have to play Cleveland this week. All the interconference, all the AFC stuff, that's already behind the Cowboys. They have an interesting slate here to finish the season against the NFC. So you won't be scoreboard watching because you're a game up right now on everybody. You just want to focus on beating the Cleveland Browns and getting on to the next one. But that being said, following what Dallas is going to do against the NFC is a really strange sort of anomaly that developed here over the last few weeks. And and certainly, you know, L.A. is still very much in this. Tampa Bay has a very favorable schedule. There's a lot out there for these other contenders to get up back into the, the, the race for the first seed, but it's Dallas. And, and Dallas has been a team, too, that has kind of gone through its own issues, its own ebbs and flows, and just seeing what that team looks like at the end of the season. I mean, because arguably they have the two most exciting young defensive players in the league right now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be something to watch. Yeah. One last one to throw at you. Rams at Vikings. Rams on a very short Oh, I got week, my internet obviously back. having played on Tuesday night. Oh, you got your connection back. But now, now I'm on week 15. Right. Rams at Vikings, and I just bring this up because I mentioned it in the Path of the Playoffs um, piece, which is, uh, which is now posted on Packers.com. The Rams are 10-4. and four. They're one of these four teams that is just one game behind the Packers in uh, that chase for the top spot in the NFC. If you're a Packers fan, do you cheer – do you cheer for the Rams to get another loss or because it's the Vikings and they're the NFC North rivals, do you not want to see your NFC North rival? You, do you want to see your NFC North rivals playoff chances take a hit? So you cheer for the Rams to beat Minnesota. What are your thoughts? So here's a great question because I was talking to Stephen Huddy, our Packers social media coordinator about this. Cause he was talking about how you really don't want to play the Rams or you really don't play the Vikings. You really don't want to play the 49ers. The thing is, is so many gosh darn teams make the playoffs now. You're yeah. going to have to eventually see some of these guys make it. Yeah. So my thought is, I think Minnesota and San Francisco, both of those teams are fully capable of winning in the postseason. I don't know if they're going to be able to win two games in a row, though. But they're good enough that they can create some chaos. So that's why, in my mind, I look at it as the Packers want to get that first seed. They want to get the bye. Minnesota doesn't threaten them with that right now right if you if you're if you're the Packers if you get if you get the bye you're not competing against a against a, a seven team playoff yeah. field you're competing against a four, four team, team field because field. by the time you have to play three teams are eliminated so my thought process is yes would Minnesota be riding on into Lambeau feeling pretty good about itself if they beat the Los Angeles Rams sure but if the Green Bay Packers are the number one seed right now in the NFC that shouldn't matter you should take care of business against the Vikings. Hit them down. Get them back down there with the peasants. <laughs> so I, I, my thought is, is it's like the more distance you create with these other top contenders, the better. Same thing I look at with, with the Cowboys right now. If the Cowboys yes. can get knocked off the pedestal in one of these games, it gives you that much more breathing room. My thought is if the Green Bay Packers can go into Detroit needing to win, I, I'm under no disillusions here that they're just going to be able to be rest starters against Detroit with the way the setup works now. But if you're able to go in there and know that we just got to beat this Detroit team that's gone through a lot of problems this season to have the one seed and the bye, that's all. That's really the ultimate goal here, and then finally get that that bye, get the get the week off. So yeah, yeah, I, I guess I tend to favor the Vikings in that matchup. All right, and with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow 
All of our coverage of Saturday's game against the Browns will have it for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Merry Christmas. We will see you next time. Thank you.